if we look to the answer as to why for so many years we achieved so much, prospered as no other people on earth, it was because here in this land we unleashed the energy and individual genius of man to a greater extent than has ever been done before. Those who say that we're in a time when there are no heroes, they just don't know where to look. The sloping hills of Arlington National Cemetery, with its row upon row of simple white markers, bearing crosses or stars of David, they add up to only a tiny fraction of the price that has been paid for our freedom. As for the enemies of freedom, those who are potential adversaries, they will be reminded that peace is the highest aspiration of the American people. We will negotiate for it, sacrifice for it. We will not surrender for it now or ever. We are Americans. France Authority on AM 1420. The answer. Yes, indeed. Eight minutes after 10 o'clock and hour number two is underway. It is a Monday, the eighth morning of the third month of the year of our Lord, 2021. Thanks for being with us. Coming up, uh, Tommy Hicks from the RNC is going to be joining us at 1035. I've got wide open phone lines for you in the next half hour. Dial now, 216-901-0945 or 888-281-1110. Either number will get you here. We're talking about federal issues, and we're also going to be talking about some local issues uh, here in the state of Ohio in just a moment. But first, they passed it over the weekend as uh you know we feared that they might the the, the demon rats and that's just what they are i'm just being 100 percent honest with you here the demon rats in the united states senate decided to join the demon rats in the uh united states house of representatives and pass a demon rat uh spending bill that has nothing to do with covid relief senator tom cotton they had a chance on saturday morning to stop checks from going to prisoners from going to the Boston and we start Bomber, with covid19 news and as students uh, that's problematic. We shouldn't have two things playing at one time. I want you to hear from Tom Cotton and Tom Cotton only. We will fix that problem ASAP. Uh, but uh, he was discussing, or he was about to discuss there, the part that we were discussing earlier about prisoners receiving checks. Can somebody explain to me how it is that your... Ta- now, I want you to look at it in the real terms here. What Tom Cotton was about to say is, the, is that this $1.9 trillion spending bill includes $1,400 checks for you and for the prisoners in the local prisons. For me, living in Lorain County, that would be LCI, Grafton Correctional, uh, wherever you might be. But I want you to put this in your head and so you get a real understanding of what, what's going on. You're getting your paycheck this Friday. And this Friday, you're going to have to take some of the money within it and set it aside And because of what the Democrats have done here, you're going to have to take that money that you set aside and put it in an envelope. And you're going to have to get in your car and you're going to have to drive to Lorraine Correctional Institution or Grafton Correctional. You're going to have to go down to the prison and give your money to one of the prisoners. You might say, come on, Bob, that's extreme. That's not real. No, it's not real in that you have to do it, but it's being done for you. You are having money taken out of your paychecks every single week that go to the federal government to spend as they see fit, and they're going to give it to the guy in the prison down the block. You understand that? This is what the Democrats have done. 
Now I'm going to give you another example. You know that guy doing that job, and I don't want to stereotype anybody, but whatever job is being done for under-the-table wages because the guy doing it is an illegal alien, that guy who is an illegal alien doesn't pay taxes on that under-the-table wage that he's earning. He doesn't pay taxes. He doesn't contribute to the fund that the, the federal government is going to use to then take $1,400 and give it to everybody in, in America, almost everybody in America. They don't pay into it, but they're sure as hell going to receive it. So again, just to kind of personalize this for you, this Friday when you get your paycheck, take, take a couple of dollars out, put it into an envelope, and drive it down to the job site of what, where you can find somebody who's working and living in this country illegally and not contributing to the tax base, but is about to be t- giving or given your money. Demon rats in the House, the demon rats in the Senate, and as soon as it goes back to the House and finishes up by Joe Biden. Because that's exactly what's going on here. I'm going to try Tom Cotton again. And it does make permanent a lot of the one-time untested voting methods we used last year, like mandatory mail-out voting. Uh, It requires states to allow curbside voting or absentee ballot drop boxes. As you say, it mandates ballot harvesting, a practice that is so susceptible to fraud that an entire House of Representatives election was invalidated two years ago because of it. Okay, Cotton uh, morphed there from the um, uh, stimulus spending bill that we were talking about into H.R. 1, and that's okay, because I want to hit that again, too, before I go to the phone calls. Here's more on the H.R. 1 debate. It would make a federal crime spreading so-called misinformation or disinformation. Well, who do you think is going to be responsible for deciding what misinformation is? Is it going to be a New York Times fact checker or Facebook or Twitter? The same people who said that the accurate story about Hunter Biden's laptop three weeks before the election was false and had to be suppressed online. This is a frontal assault on the First Amendment and your rights of political speech at the time those rights matter most. That is a thousand percent correct. That is exactly what this is. Tom Cotton is right. So the two federal stories are are still on the table as far as H.R. 1 and the $1.9 trillion uh, spending bill, the demon rat spending bill. But we are also going to talk about getting your kids back to school in the state of Ohio. Let me go to the phones. We'll go to, as a matter of fact, it looks like that's the first call. Cheryl in Cleveland wants to talk about Cleveland schools. Cheryl, good morning. Go right ahead. Hello, Cheryl. But I don't want to say exactly how, but um, I am going to tell you guys, this is the biggest bunch of BS. This woman who is the um, labor, president? or what do you call it? The, the, the union, union, union president. Sherry or, or, Orensky yeah. and Mr. Gordon. I'm going to tell you, this is the biggest bunch of crap. There's nothing wrong with those schools. Um, I, myself, have a special ed child. They are not getting services. They are not getting speech. They are not getting occupational therapy. And when these kids go back to school now, they're going to lump all different kinds of um, disabilities in one classroom with one teacher, which we all know it's impossible. But um, I was just going to say uh, two things. Number one... Um, if you wonder what the problem with the Cleveland schools is, and this is coming from someone within, you have the city of Cleveland, you have Cuyahoga County, and you have the schools. Who runs all three organizations? The Democrats. And who, who do the Democrats support? Big Union and Joe Biden. Sure. There is so much corruption there that I am strongly urging people, and I don't support Fox News that often, 
but Jesse Waters on Saturday night is doing investigations on school districts that are not opening. And um, they're digging into their finances and seeing where all the money is going. I am strongly urging all your callers, even if you don't have children in Cleveland like I do, to please send him an email and let's get this investigated. Because from an insider, the corruption is so thick here and our children are suffering from it. And just one, one little thing, if you think your kids are getting social studies, do you know what was taught last year in social studies? It was taught about the auto unions. And how people that work in the automobile factories have rights to sue, and they need to have their benefits. This is what they're teaching teachers, our yeah, children. Teachers unions, uh, and I'm so glad you brought it up, Cheryl, because you allowed me to segue out of the federal stuff into the local stuff, because this is what I wanted to talk about. Thank you for the call. Teachers unions, particularly now in this case, the Cleveland teachers unions, are absolutely not interested in the well-being of children. Now, I want you to hear that again. Cleveland Teachers Unions, the Cleveland Teachers Union, and teachers unions in general are not interested in the well-being of children. That does not mean that all teachers are not interested in the well-being of, of, of children. You understand that? That's why I repeated it twice. The unions have no interest in children's well-being. They have interest in only lining their own pockets and pushing their same progressive left-wing political agendas. That's it. That's what the the teachers' unions are. They are repugnant. They are institutions and organizations that harm your kids when they're supposed to be representing the individuals who are supposed to care the most about your kids after parents. They're teachers. And I will tell you this. Any and every Cleveland Teachers Union member who supports this refusal to go back to school to teach in person after jumping in front of the line of others for the vaccine, every last one of them, I'm talking Reagan-style air traffic controllers fired en masse, If you are a Cleveland teacher and you don't get your A back in your classroom post-haste, and I mean tomorrow, you were supposed to go there March 1st. That was the agreement. That was the agreement the state made with you. Mike DeWine, for all of his flaws and faults, and he is just a terrible governor, but he did say this. We'll give you guys the vaccines first if you get your butts back in the classroom by March 1st. And you said, okay, deal. You signed on it. You signed on it. It was an agreement. You got your vaccines, and now you're saying, yeah, we're still not going back because we don't like the PPE. We don't think there's enough personal protective equipment in the schools. Your lazy A's had better never step foot out of your house and into a restaurant or a shopping mall. Not one of you better part." partake of any service or product provided by people who are going back to work or you are the biggest flaming hypocrites in our society you don't think that it's unsafe for the guy who's bagging your groceries or stocking your shelves or ringing you up at the cash register or serving you, or seating you at the restaurant, 
or, or helping you uh, find clothes at the mall. You don't think those workers should be protected? You go and patronize them and make them do the job, potentially encountering strangers with COVID-19? But you yourselves, well, I can't go back in that classroom. It's not safe in there. It is safer in the classroom full of kids who statistically are not, repeat, not a threat of passing the coronavirus on to adults at all, according to the CDC. Are there any science teachers in the Cleveland teachers' unions? Science teachers, do you trust science? Do you believe in science? Then do you believe in the scientists at the CDC who say the safest place for kids to be is in a classroom? Because they don't share it with each other, and they don't spread it to adults. Statistically, an insignificant anomaly of an amount. But these teachers won't go back to classrooms. If you leave here, if you're a teacher who won't go back to school, resign. Immediately. Resign. And allow somebody who wants to take care of kids and to teach and educate your kids or educate our kids to have that job. Resign. You can't use the science as your excuse. You can't use the government as your excuse. And you sure as hell cannot use the pandemic as your, as your excuse if you believe the science. Resign immediately all union teachers who support the holdout who support not going back to school until A, B, C, D, and E, and F, Y, Z, or X, Y, Z can be done as far as personal protective equipment. According to Cleveland schools, by the way, they have all of those things in place. And you've been vaccinated. Get off your lazy A's and get into the classroom. And as I said, if you don't, do not step out of your house and partake of another service or product. Because those people working are in just as, in fact, are probably in more danger than you are. Teachers are supposed to stand for something. They're supposed to teach children and care about their well-being. Are you not paying attention to the stories? Are you not paying attention to to the statistics of the number of kids who are failing because they don't pay attention to a screen at their kitchen table? They need to be engaged by you. And by one another, in classes, in hallways, they need to be socialized. Not the victims of socialism. 1022, we'll be right back. Ten twenty six. Let's continue now with uh, the phone lines two one six nine zero one zero nine four five. TJ, go right ahead. Yeah, you know, Bob, I'm afraid you know the republic is on life support right now, and you know normally the last line of defense would be our Supreme Court, you know, to protect the state rights with voting and stuff, but I'm afraid they're not going to do anything. Just like we've seen them sit on their hands with this voter fraud during the election. Yeah. Uh, when you have a high-powered senator standing on their steps and physically threatening them, I think they fear for their lives. They fear for their families' lives. They're not going to do anything. They're not going to protect us uh, with the First Amendment. They're not going to protect us with the Second Amendment. 
I hate to be pessimistic, Bob, but we're screwed. I mean, it looks like the game is almost over, and if you can't count on the Supreme well, Court, what else can you count on at this point? Yeah, and the Supreme Court is an enigma wrapped in a riddle. Uh, I think we all agree on that. You know, it's supposed to be this big conservative majority, 6-3. It's not even close to that. I don't know that they're necessarily afraid. But the fact that, and, and you know, you, you're talking about Chuck Schumer who stood there and said, you will reap the whirlwind and you're going to pay. And, you know, there's no other way to interpret that other than physically. Unlike, see, this is kind of the just part we have to say. Uh, Donald Trump was accused of inciting violence because he said, let's go fight because we have to fight. You know, like you've never, you won't have a country left to fight for. That is figurative language because people talk about politicians, especially say fight all the time. But when a politician, when somebody says to an elected official, you will pay, that's okay because it means you're going to pay at the ballot box. You're going to pay when we, Anthony Gonzalez is going to pay for voting to um, impeach Trump. And how's he going to pay? He's going to lose, you know, in in a primary. But when Chuck Schumer, and I know you understand this, TJ, this is just for everybody's edification. When Chuck Schumer stood on that uh, steps of that Supreme Court and told them they will pay the price, he wasn't talking about at the ballot box because Supreme Court justices are not elected. They, they cannot be held to account in a re-election campaign. If you threaten a justice with you will pay, it has to mean physical. It has to mean an assault. It has to mean harming them in some way uh, and their persons. Because they don't, they're elected for, or excuse me, they're appointed to their positions for life. They don't have to be re-elected. And so clearly the Supreme Court justices, you know, were, were probably, you know, here. And that's why Roberts even responded to it uh, and condemned it. But, but, but they were threatened physically. Now, is that guiding their decisions, TJ? I hope not. I, I hope not. But I can't dismiss it out of hand for the reasons I just explained. Yeah. And, and, and I don't know about And, you know, it's not just their own personal well-being they're worried, but their families. Sure, sure. You know, and that changes the game right there. You know, you know they, they, like I said, it, it, this monarchy thing, we have it right now. I mean, we basically got monarchy back in America with the left, and they're running everything. And one other quick thing I'd like to, to point, the only good thing the French did when we were, you were talking about the monarchy was behead their monarchy. It's probably the only good thing the French <laughs> did in history. Well, but, I, uh, now we're in trouble, Bob. There's no question well, about let's, it. Let's, and, and let's, I don't have let's, any answers. Yeah, let's, let's see, like I said, uh, TJ, if... If HR1 passes, and thank you for the call, brother, uh, if HR1 does pass, I'm going to be getting very close to your, your line of thinking there, that the game may be over. Because my argument has been since the Georgia runoff in early January, my argument has been, let's tread water. Let's not lose the biggest fights. Let's count on a couple of votes to go our way in the Senate to stop certain things from moderates like Joe Manchin. He's a very powerful guy right now. I said if we can just hold ourselves afloat, stay afloat until uh, 2022, we can win back the House and start to uh, even this thing out a little bit. But if H.R. 1 passes, we will not be able to win the House, nor any other important federal elections again, because the voting is going to be rigged for cheating, for irregularities, for fraud, like it has never been rigged before. So we have to just pray right now that this is one of those times where Manchin comes through. We have to pray that he does not vote to codify election fraud and corruption, because that's what H.R. 1 does. News time now. Coming right back with Tommy Hicks of the Republican National Committee on AM 1420, The Answer. 
Okay, 1037, we continue on AM 1420, The Answer. Thanks for being with us. This is out-of-control liberalism, and in this bill, as uh, Kevin said, most of the money's not spent this year. Ninety percent of it's got nothing to do with COVID. But let me give you an example of something that really bothers me. In this bill, if you're a farmer, your loan will be forgiven up to 120% of your loan, not 100%, but 120% of your loan if you're socially disadvantaged, if you're African-American, some other minority. But if you're white person, if you're a white woman, no forgiveness as reparations. What does that got to do with COVID? So bill forgives 120% of your loan based on your race. These people in the Congress today, the House and the Senate on the Democratic side, are out of control liberals. And uh, God help us all uh, if we don't check and balance them in 2022. Senator Lindsey Graham. And of course, can we check and balance them in 2022 if the election system is rigged? by H.R. 1. That's Senator Lindsey Graham joining us now to discuss this and more. Co-chair of the Republican National Committee, Tommy Hicks. Tommy, good morning. How are you? Good morning. And this ain't your granddaddy's uh, Democrat Party anymore. <sighs> this ain't my granddaddy's country anymore. You know? I, I, I mean, I'm, I, I, I'll go that far. I mean, I, I, see, I see the cracks in the foundation of this republic right now being exploited. Um, there are cracks in the foundation, and Democrats are standing there with pickaxes and just going to town. The crumbling of this republic is imminent. If we, uh, if we don't win in 2022. So let me start there. Let me not start with the farmers and the COVID bill, Tom, even though I played that for you. Let's start with HR1. This is an assault on the integrity of our electoral process, the democratic process that will enable fraud and corruption and illegal voting to happen in perpetuity. Um, how do we stop it? Well, this is something that we are, uh, laser focused on here at the RNC. We have, uh, 22 uh, very talented members of our party who are spending uh, all their time focused on making sure that we have safeguards and we work with the different states uh, to protect your vote. And uh, it's led by our, our Florida chairman, Joe Gruders, and he's got some really relevant experience here. The um, Senate surprised me well moderately surprised me when uh you know joe manchin who was kind of like our last hope in so many of these very close 50 50 fights did not uh stop the uh the passage of the 1.9 trillion dollar covid bill will we or do you think we can count on him to be any more uh courageous when it comes to this hr1 well i i hope so and i hope the people of west virginia the people of arizona and the people of montana call their democrat senators and, and and push hard for uh, representation that's in line with what the American people and the people from those states uh, value. And right now we're not seeing that. Again, this is not your our granddaddy's uh, Democrat Party. No, it's really not. And, you know, I've, I've been trying to remain optimistic ever since we lost the control of the Senate with the Georgia runoffs, and I won't even go into all what went into that. But I've been trying to stay optimistic and telling groups that I speak to and telling my listening audience here 
to, you know, just let's tread water. We, we're going to lose some votes in the Senate when Manchin goes with the left, but he's a moderate and we may win some or at least stop the most egregious radical legislation from going forward if we can count on him to do that. In other cases, let's just hold and tread water until 2022. But I'm just running out of reasons to be optimistic, as I say, when I talk about the crumbling of the foundation, because, well, let's, let's listen. In fact, let me get your reaction again to Tom Cotton this time, uh, excuse me, this time to Tom Cotton instead of Lindsey Graham on HR1. It would make a federal crime spreading so-called misinformation or disinformation. Well, who do you think is going to be responsible for deciding what misinformation is? Is it going to be a New York Times fact checker or Facebook or Twitter? The same people who said that the accurate story about Hunter Biden's laptop three weeks before the election was false and had to be suppressed online. This is a frontal assault on the First Amendment and your rights of political speech at the time those rights matter most. So this bill, just you know, the sweeping voter reform, um, you know, is 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 so dangerous because of what it allows people to say, what it allows people to read, and obviously, uh, when it comes to voting, it's going to codify, you know, uh, uh, same day registration. It's going to codify mail in voting. It's going to it's going to allow and legalize all of the different things that are not able to be uh, checked and verified. Even even signature matches are going to be outlawed, along with um, uh, uh, photo identification. Tommy Hicks, so. Again, there's just a list of the dangers involving H.R. 1 that we have to contend with. Well, there are many reasons to be scared with what they're trying to do. It's a radical agenda they're trying to pass, but there is reason for optimism. We had, in the last camp, uh, campaign election cycle, we had 2.6 million volunteers. Those are people talking to their friends and neighbors, getting them out to vote. Mm-hmm. You know, we're pretty evenly divided. We're basically we're 50-50 in the Senate, close to 50-50 in the House, and, you know, lost the presidency by... 50,000 votes and in a few different counties. So there is reason for optimism. We will retake the House in 2022 and the Senate, and we have a great team uh, committed to helping elect Republicans. 50 days now into the Biden administration, not a single press conference in which he is taking unscripted uh, questions from the press. And maybe even more egregious, it's March 8th, and we have not yet seen or heard a State of the Union address. Are they scared to death to put him up there for an hour and a half in a State of the Union address knowing that he can't handle it? And uh, are they scared to put him up in front of a press that might actually ask, rarely, but still they might, ask critical questions? Well, I think absolutely they are. And, you know, what they've done so far in the first 45 days or so has been absolutely radical. Uh, The Democrat Party has been hijacked by the far left. But this is at least they're being consistent. Joe Biden campaigned from his basement uh, the entire time. And uh, we're we're seeing a, a continuation of that. Yeah, we are. And and why is there no call for an end to that? That's what I want to know. Why is no why why isn't the press just demanding access to Joe Biden? Can you imagine? And I know that left likes to call these kinds of comparisons whataboutism. Uh, but Tommy Hicks, co-chair of the RNC, what if Donald Trump for fifty days would not take questions from the press? What if he just stayed in the basement, if you will, issuing you know executive order after executive order, four or five dozen of them, uh, but not taking questions from the press about them? What would they have done? Well, it wouldn't have happened. President Trump was the most transparent president we've ever had in history, you know. So, uh, and, and, and he was out there communicating constantly with, with the American people. And, uh, this, what Joe Biden and the media are doing proves that they are basically partners. Let me ask you this about, uh, the, um, 
the coronavirus responses to Tommy Hicks while I have you here. Greg Abbott, the governor of uh, Texas, and Tate Reeves, governor of Mississippi, last week uh, announced that they are rolling back and uh, essentially eliminating all of their COVID restrictions. Every business is open 100% capacity, no more mask mandates, etc. That brings to uh, the total of 15, the number of states that don't have any of such mandates or restrictions. Joe Biden responded by calling that Neanderthal thinking and said that this was uh, reckless. Or actually, Gavin Newsom said that this was absolutely reckless. Now that the CDC is admitting that masking does not stop the coronavirus, and they have admitted that, do you anticipate more states just saying we're going to ignore federal law, ignore uh, Joe Biden's orders? Well, I think it, to be totally clear here, I'm a Texan, and I'm, I'm proud of what uh, our governor uh, has done. Uh, people want to get back to work. People want to go to schools. Uh, parents, I've got three young girls. We want them in school. They need to be learning uh, in order to get, get the economy going again and to allow the American people to prosper. You can't, you can't keep these. You can't keep people locked in forever. No, you you certainly cannot. And at least one state, and I want to say it was Montana, but I could be wrong, also announced last week that they are pushing a bill that would essentially um, make it um, uh, enable them, rather, it would enable the state government to ignore federal orders given uh, in the in the, the face of a health emergency. In other words, we don't have to follow anything that Joe Biden says, even if he talks about federal, uh, you know, federal uh, uh, land or federal agencies, businesses, offices, property, etc. Uh, he can order mask mandates all he wants, but in our state, we do not have to follow these federal orders. Do you think that's something that will catch on? You saw that in, in, in President Trump's administration. You, you had sanctuary cities. Uh, it, it, it's, it's all politics over people these days. Yeah, but I don't know. I don't know if I necessarily like that equation. Sanctuary cities, you know, allowed people to commit crimes and remain free and not be, you know, uh, not be uh, captured and, and deported if they're illegal aliens. Uh, it was defending people committing crimes. What I'm talking about and what some Republican-led states are talking about is ignoring the federal orders of Joe Biden that actually give people their freedom back, not, not enable them to commit crimes. No, I, I, and I agree with that. I think, I, I think this illustrates the double standard that the left has uh, given to the American people. It does, and, and we all know the old adage, you know, standards, the left would have no standards at all, and that's, that's, that's very obvious in what we're seeing right now. Last question. Uh, Tommy Hicks, uh, co-chair of the RNC, as we talk about all of the issues facing this country right now, I saw a video this morning of uh, one of the uh, um, uh, zones in, uh, I think it was Texas, uh, on the southern border that is simply being flooded, overwhelmed. Joe Biden, Jen Psaki, his spokesperson, continue to deny that there to deny there's even a crisis at the border. Meanwhile, they are just steamrolling these caravans by the thousands, and more and more keep arriving every day. Uh, is this country going to be able to withstand that number of people, particularly coming in? We don't know who they are. We don't know what kids they're bringing. We don't know if they are COVID positive or not. I mean, how can they not call this a, a crisis, and what can we do about it? Well, there, there absolutely is a crisis uh, at the border. You know, as I said, I'm a Texan. I've got friends who live around the border, and what they're seeing right now is, is frightening. And, you know, what we need to be doing is actually following the law that's been written by Congress, and this administration needs to be, be uh, behind the law. 
Well, even Democrats, uh, Democrats whose districts, you know, butt up against the border there, down there in Texas, for example, uh, they are saying, this can't go on. We cannot allow all these people in. We are being overrun. Our facilities can't handle it. Obviously, when they get dispersed into the general population of the, of the public and the country, you know, p- resources are going to start to be uh, swallowed up. Uh, jobs are going to be taken up. We just cannot allow these people to continue to come in unchecked like this. We have to have a border in order to have sovereignty, or has that been surrendered? You're absolutely right, and we, we should follow the law. And it's a human tragedy what's taking place uh, and on our border, on our southern border. Yeah, it is a human tragedy, and it's a, and it's a national tragedy, quite frankly. It's a national crisis. Tommy Hicks, co-chair of the RNC, thanks so much for the time today. Thank you. All right, 1049, we'll take our time out here. We'll come back. One more segment, some phone calls. We do have time for them. Go ahead and get in now at 216-901-0945 or 888-281-1110 on the authority. Okay, 1053, final segment of the broadcast today. Thanks for being with us. Don't forget when we're done, Mike Gallagher's going to take you into Charlie Kirk, into Dennis Prager, into Sebastian Gorka, into Jay Sekulow Live, into Larry Elder. Stay, if you have the radio on today, all day, keep it here, because you will be educated, I promise you. And hopefully entertained just a little bit as well. I want to, I want to follow and, and maybe uh, wrap up with this. <clears throat> there was a story... Uh, that came out on Friday uh, about a little bill that passed through the House in the state of Kentucky. And it didn't get a lot of play. It didn't get a lot of attention. But I wanted to give it some attention right now because it's extraordinarily important. In fact, I had a really interesting engagement with somebody on Facebook who's a good guy, a good conservative-minded guy, by the way, uh, before the show today. And I want to I want to give this thing a little bit of love and, and talk about it uh, because it is so overdue. The state of Kentucky, the House, rather, in the state of Kentucky, <coughs> excuse me, just passed a bill making it illegal to insult police. Right? It's, in, it's illegal to insult a police officer. It could be a crime in the state of Kentucky if this gets through the Senate and is signed by their governor. And you might think to yourself, what the heck is that? I thought we had free speech in this country. You mean I can't insult a police officer? It's not as simple as it sounds. This bill would make it a crime for people to do what protesters have been doing in police officers' faces in every single confrontation, every single radical BLM, Antifa uh, type of thing. And in fact, if they did it in the Capitol riots on January 6th, that too. When you see them, and this usually is done by the Antifa BLM protesters. I didn't see a ton of the video of this uh, from, from January 6th. But you have seen these videos, right? Where these far-left man-bun wearers get up into the face of police officers, standing with their noses inches apart, screaming into their faces, insulting them, calling them racists, insulting their mothers, just about everything that you can call somebody but a man. And why? Because they know the police aren't allowed to do a thing. They're trying to provoke them while they've got 50 camera phones focused, provoke the police officers into a physical response to being berated. Like an army drill sergeant might get into the face of a recruit 
or the you know or, or of a, of a um, um, you know a soldier in a training camp. <clears throat> training camp. I sound like it's football now. You know what I mean. Um, basic training is what I'm trying to say. They get into the faces of these officers and they scream and sometimes the spit that comes, you know, the flex that come out of their mouth land right on their faces and the officers can't do anything. The kind of thing that if you did that to any other profession, you would be arrested. Violating someone's personal face and getting in their face and verbally assaulting them in such a way, you would get arrested at the very least for disturbing the peace, if not more. Try walking into a drugstore and going up to the clerk or the cashier or the pharmacist and screaming at them while they did their jobs, inches away from their face, just screaming at them, calling their names, insulting them, cussing them out, calling them racist, you would be arrested. But they expect police officers officers to endure that behavior. They're not allowed to be human. If they react with a human response, especially since it's all being videotaped, they will be the ones who are in trouble. So Kentucky has said enough is enough. A bill advancing out of the Kentucky, oh, I'm sorry, I said House, it's Senate. The Kentucky Senate Committee will make it a crime for people to insult police officers to a point where it causes a violent response. It was a 7-3 to three vote. The bill's sponsor, Danny Carroll, a Republican, not surprisingly, is a retired police officer, also not surprisingly, who says that something needs to be done to prevent the escalation of riotous behavior. Quote, in these riots, you see people getting up in officers' faces, yelling in their ears, doing everything they can to provoke a violent response. I'm not saying the officers do that, but there has to be a provision within this statute that allows officers to react to that because that does nothing but incite those around that vicinity, and it furthers and escalates the riotous behavior. And it is so true. Would your child be allowed to get up into the face of his teacher and scream because he did does, he dislikes the way that that teacher exudes and exhibits his authority? No, that kid would be suspended, if not outright expelled. But we expect cops to stand there and take it. So I just want to shine a little light on that bill in Kentucky. And I want to ask you, as a member of our great state, to bring this to your legislators' attention. House representatives, state senators, I don't care. Get this into a committee in the the Ohio House as well. I want to protect our police officers, not allow these man-bun wearers to help destroy them. That's all the time we've got. Like I said, stay here for Gallagher. We'll see you tomorrow. Bye-bye.